Welcome to the Stacked Supplement Podcast, the premier source for supplement news and reviews. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Stacked Supplement Podcast, and this is another interview edition with uh, one of the great minds, the friends from uh, the up and coming, still up and coming, although uh not exactly that new anymore is uh rise and we have uh the president brian hey shane how are you thank you uh thank you for having me man um obviously a longtime fan and friend uh we've we've uh, crossed paths for many many years in this industry so i'm honored uh, to be here as a guest um and uh, looking forward to, to sharing some, some uh, feedback on this podcast yeah it's awesome to have you and yeah well, we've known each other for I don't know. I can't even remember. It's been a while. Maybe probably at least I don't know five, not more than five. Maybe I was going to say five years. Yeah, I think I met you in Olympia somewhere. Um, but yeah, you're with uh, you with Rise now, which is it's hard to say like how brands have been doing really well in comparison to how well the year has limited them to be able to do. But you guys kicked off the year with uh, the blackout, um, the RTD which was i thought was a pretty big one as you mentioned at the time it's one of the most uh rtd with the most active ingredients if i'm not mistaken or one old right. um i mean how did that go for you it was, a, it was a dive into a different category uh you weren't really on the go before then yeah, so a quick quick uh, short background on myself i've been in the industry since uh, i think 2006. um i started with a company called vp exports which uh, most of you might know as Bang Energy today, um, but that was the first company I worked for. Worked there for about five or six years, um, and then uh, left. And then myself, uh, a guy named T.J. Humphreys, and a few other guys actually started a company called ProSups, um, the makers of Mr. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll, which most of you might be familiar with. We started that company in February 2012. Um, you know, we built that business up to about you know over $50 million over eight years. Um, probably one of the, the bigger bigger brands around the world, over 50 countries. Um, I decided to leave that company at the end of last year and join Rise Sups, which was founded back in November, 2017 by Nick Stella. Uh, he's the CEO of Rise and the founder. Um, you know, over the, over the course of two years while I was at ProSups, I had seen Rise here and there. I remember a point in time when they did a deal with Conor McGregor, kind of caught my eyes at that time. I was like, man, who are these guys? Uh, but didn't really know too much about the brand. Um, so when I came over in January, obviously, uh, you know, I did a lot of research on the brand and, and really wanted to make sure it was a fit where, where my skill set makes sense. And, you know, coming to know Nick, uh, Nick's done an incredible job creating, founding, building this Rise brand over two years. Um, he's pretty much been a one-man operation through the process. Um, but Nick is a, a very smart guy when it comes to digital marketing, social marketing, um, everything that goes on in that digital world. And we all know that's the future of this industry and pretty much all industries, uh, even prior to COVID, right? Um, that's where everything was kind of going and shifting to. And, you know, for me, that's not a skill set that I own. Um, I'm not that online digital marketing guru. Um, that's just something I've never been able to really get into, never needed it. You know, historically back in the day, you know, I've built brands through brick and mortar retail, uh, stores, gyms, international distribution, um, online wasn't as big. It wasn't a big deal, you know, over the course of those years. So knowing where Nick's skill set is and where my skill set is strong, which is in the, the brick and mortar wholesale side here domestically. And really internationally is where I've really been able to excel over the years, um, especially at ProSups. Uh, travel to a lot of these countries and build some really, really strong relationships with these customers. Um, you know, coming over here, knowing that we've got a pretty strong online direct-to-consumer business already, I saw opportunity to kind of build this brand um, with the brick-and-mortar retail retailers that still exist. Because obviously it's not what it used to be. There's not as many of them like back in the day. But there's still some really, really good retailers out there. Gym business here in America is still really, really strong. Um, and ultimately internationally. That's something and somewhere where I think most people can't compete with me on. Um, and just the simple fact is I've been able to travel to over 30 countries in my life. 
um, meet a lot of these international distributors and partners, um, have dinner with their families, and just build unbelievable relationships. Um, and what most people don't realize, especially being an American brand, obviously Shane, you know, you're almost American at this point, but uh, you know, you've traveled a lot, but for a lot, of, a lot of these distributors who don't get out of their country, um, there's a lot of tradition. There's a lot of old school oh, yeah. Yeah. that goes in with this and uh, how we do business in America is not how they do business in these countries. So when you get, you know, when you get invited into dinner with a distributor and the distributor brings their mom and dad and you're sitting down around a table, um, typically drinking some type of alcohol substance, um, you're basically building a bond. And if you pass the test, they'll shake your hand on the way out, but you've just built a bond that's lifelong. And I've been blessed to be able to, to secure relationships like that. So, um, you know, I knew I can really help grow this Rise brand internationally. So when we came over, um, the grab and go space, which I know you're a huge fan of, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that was something, you know, even back to my VPX days, I sold a ton of Redline. You know, nobody really talks about Redline anymore. But back in 2007, 8, 9, and 10, we used to sell a lot of Redline. So, um, and I was selling Redline to gas stations back then. So I got kind of mixed into that RTD game early uh, to experience a lot of that way before it, what it looks like today. Um, and then obviously over my tenure at ProSups, we made quite a bit of RTDs there. Uh, the first one I made actually was a drink where the powder sat in a cap. Yeah, a the push. That you would push and the powder would fall in. So, um, you know, being a guy that, you know, really cares about formulations and I love to do things, I'm really science driven. Um, I didn't want to make a pre-workout drink that sacrificed ingredients. So back in, it was probably 2013 or 14 when we were looking at making a drink, I didn't want to have to take out called creatine or some of these ingredients that wouldn't be stable in a liquid form. And I wanted to make a drink that was comparable to my powder of Mr. Hyde. So we came out with it. We came up with a system where the same exact powder sit in the cap. You would push it down. The powder would fall into the water. You'd go drink and work out. Um, that later evolved into a different mechanism, um, which was called the RTG. Uh, which was similar. The powder still sat in a, in a, in a system. It wasn't on top. Um, then we ventured a little bit in the 16 ounce carbonated game. We came out with a product called Hyde Power Potion. Um, you know, we, we missed a little bit. You know, we, we failed to do a little bit of our research and flavor systems and things like that. But, you know, right outside of Bang, we were kind of the second largest supplement company to go in on carbonated beverage. That's how effect, that's how way ahead of the curve we were at the time. Um, unfortunately, we missed the, the boat in terms of flavor and sweetness levels. Um, but in terms of RTDs, it's something that I've always been a fan of. I'm an RTD consumer personally. Um, and when you look at it from the business perspective, not a lot of people realize this here in America, but the gyms make up more business than the retail stores today. Oh, wow. So you know, a square foot of gyms, you know, you're going to drive by on average, probably three to five gyms to go from retailer one to retailer two. There's just so many more locations. Um, another thing you have to realize too, is the hardest thing that a store has today, a brick and mortar mom and pop retail store, or even if it's a GNC or even a vitamin shop, the hardest thing they have. And again, this is all prior to COVID. So this, we're not talking anything related <laughs> to COVID right now, the but current the situation. problem these retailers were having was getting people in their stores, right? Any retail, and it doesn't matter. It could be, could be malls, it could be grocery, you know, well, grocery is a little bit different, but you know, most of these specialized consumer packaged good retailers, the hardest thing they were facing was getting people in their stores. Well, obviously gyms don't have that problem, right? Gyms have the consumers. Um, you know, gyms have the consumers that are buying supplements, right? Most yeah. of the consumers in those gyms probably already took their pre-workout or they've got protein at home. So, you know, probably about, you know, five to 10 years ago, a lot of gyms and gyms tried to sell supplements in the past, but either they didn't want to mess with it because they'd have to hire another employee. And they kind of looked at it. It was kind of, you know, um, just something they didn't want to mess with. Or back in the day, historically, when you were to buy a brand from call a, a distributor, whether it's Europa or muscle foods back in the day, the discounts a gym would get on a product were far less than what the retailer across the street would get. 
because back in the day, the retailers were doing a lot more volume. So if a gym decided to sell a pre-workout or a protein, by the time they put it on the shelf, it's probably 15 to 30% more expensive than, than either online or at the store across the street. So probably five to 10 years ago, um, that all kind of changed. And next thing you know, gyms realized, hey, we've got the people. These people are already buying and consuming supplements. We just need to put the right supplements in here at the right price, right? It doesn't need to be necessarily the same exact price as Amazon or online. There could be, you know, maybe it could be three to five bucks more, but it can't be 20 bucks more. You know what I mean? And yeah. Jim started to get behind supplements. Well, next thing you know, Jim started selling a lot of supplements. So when you add up how many gyms there are, whether, you know, gold, you know, gold gym, corporate export, fitness, crunch, fitness, um, fitness connection, you fit, uh, you're just talking massive, massive groups of gyms. Um, and then you get all the mom and pop gyms mixed in between there. So there's tens of thousands of gyms here in America, um, where there's not that many retailer stores. So, if you add it up, gym business is really, really strong. Um, now, not all gyms sell powdered supplements. So some of them will only participate in drinks, RTDs, and maybe bars and snacks. And then you got some of them that have little pro shops where they'll actually sell a good variety of supplements. Um, knowing how big that gym sector uh, of business is, and also over the years, um, I've been able to make some really good relationships with these buyers at these very large gyms because you know, the Golden Goals Gym Corporate Export Fitness Fitness Connection, um, you need to present to them just like you would any other major large retailer. So they only have X amount of space in their cooler and they have to approve you. So knowing that I've been able to secure these relationships, I knew if we were able to create an RTD here at Rise, I can kind of immediately go get some new business for us. So, hmm. you know, one of the things I realized last year was I saw everybody, every brand was focused on carbonated energy, right? Everybody <laughs> was making, I think we even talked about this at FIBO a year ago or whenever we were there, just everybody was working on carbonated. And I, I saw a little bit of a shift from consumer moving away from carbonated and kind of going back into the still type of drinks. And I don't know the exact reason as to why, maybe they felt like, you know, the carbonated drinks, they weren't getting efficacious amounts of actual pre-workout ingredients to go work out. Um, I've never been a person to drink a carbonated drink before I work out. I mean, to me, it's, yeah, it's a tough one for me. Now, if I'm going to the beach or driving around, need a little pick me up. Yeah. Then I see the need for a carbonated drink. So I kind of saw that. Um, so that was actually the first project I took on when I came here in January was I wanted to make the most efficacious, uh, efficaciously dosed pre-workout RTD um, in a still drink that's ever been created. Um, and obviously with really, really good flavor systems. So we started working on it in January. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, by March, COVID kind of hit, slowed a yeah. lot of things down. But since we had the project kind of already going, um, we continued forward. And uh, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Um, obviously, the most, um, the hardest thing was, was flavor systems. When you're working with some of these ingredients like dynamine, um, there's some harder ingredients to flavor over, right? So at the end of the day, as much as, as we are ingredient guys, and we like to see, you know, six to eight grams of citrulline and a gram and a half of nitrosogen, that stuff is great. But to average consumer, they don't look at that. Um, they still want a product that they feel. They still want a product that they think is good, but ultimately they want a product that tastes awesome, right? Taste is always going to win. So I wanted to be able to hit all those boxes in this drink and uh, we were able to do it. And we made a pre-workout ready to drink product uh, with eight grams of citrulline, um, uh, 3.2 grams of beta alanine, two grams of betaine, uh, 400 caffeine and 25 milligrams of dynamine. So, you know, uh, obviously we didn't put creatine in this product but we felt like we didn't need to. Uh, tons, of, tons of pump ingredients in there, um, tons of stimulatory effect with the caffeine and dynamine. Uh, but ultimately getting that thing clear remember it's it's a clear beverage so we didn't want any floaties we didn't want any anything to settle at the bottom yeah. um and then ultimately make it taste awesome and uh we were able to do that we started with three flavors we piggybacked off our number one selling flavor in our blackout pre-workout which is tiger's blood um but then we kind of went a little sideways and we said man let's let's make something a little bit more mainstream something a little bit more millennial gen z oriented 
Um, and we went with uh, a Baja Burst flavor. So obviously playing off of the Taco Bell Baja Blast, if you will, um, which is one of the top selling soft drink flavors in America. So, you know, when you look at the data and things like that, we saw the crossover and then we also launched a grape. Um, we don't make a grape in anything, but when we tried the grape flavors in this specific format, we just felt like the grape flavors sat really, really well with this ingredient list. And we said, man, we have to do a grape. It just, it tastes that good. So we launched with the three flavors. Um, this year for us, the RTD has kind of been our, kind of been our, our, our biggest winner, if you will. Um, in terms of sales, I mean, we've been able to get that drink into over a thousand gyms already this year. Um, most of oh, the wow. major fitness clubs that we spoke about earlier, uh, Goals Gym Corporate, which is still over 100 clubs, Export Fitness, which is over 50 clubs, uh, Fitness Connection, which is over 50 clubs, um, UFIT, which is over 150 clubs, I believe, uh, and Crunch between Franchise and Corporate, I think they got over 500 locations. So we've been able to get placement in these top gym accounts, which has been huge for us. Um, but I think, uh, I think COVID has helped us a little bit there, obviously, um, with gyms having to shut down in the early days, you know, call it March, April, May, and June, gyms were forced to close down because of lockdown, everything kind of reopened up. Um, gyms didn't know really what was going on. Next thing you know, gyms started to get packed and the gyms coolers were empty and they didn't have any drinks to sell. So on top of that, um, you had a lot of larger companies um, who probably were probably in a different position where from a risk standpoint, they were exposed a lot more during COVID um, because maybe they had a lot of employees they tried to retain, um, a big office and things like that. So, I mean, I, you know, I bless those guys and, and thank them for trying to retain employees and not fire people but there was probably a cost of business associated there where they probably weren't able to innovate. They probably weren't able to keep stock levels where it needed to be. So there was a lot of holes in these coolers yeah. when these buyers came back. And, and, you know, I'm a pretty aggressive salesperson when it comes to that stuff. And I attacked that space. And uh, again, because I have the relationships with these buyers, I was able to get these products into their hands. They obviously try them, they sample them. Feedback's been really great. And, the great news is it's uh, for most of them, it's their number one selling new drink this year. So, um, and it gets me in the grab and go category. So, you know, we plan on expanding more in that category. We all know that's uh, a growing category around the world. Um, so, you know, we're going to continue to look at different formats, different options to play there. Um, but that's in a nutshell why I decided to start there. Uh, and thankfully we think, thankfully we did because it's been, it's been huge for us this year. Um, obviously we don't sell a ton of drinks online. So being a strong online direct to consumer business, it doesn't necessarily fit that strategy. Um, but on the flip side, we've been able to pick up thousands and thousands of gyms, which is exposure for us, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. which also customers, the consumer yeah. to the rise brand for the first time, which ultimately they could lead. Hey, what else does this brand make? Right. Yeah. Um, and the good news is, is we packaged it off of our black pre-workout. So if they ever looked into the powder version that we make, they would see that as well. Um, we are working on a fourth flavor as we speak in the RTD. That was my question was, what was the reason? Cause you're saying it's ideal for the on the go market and with, with, with beverage, it's not, you can't put everything typically into the, into the beverages in the powder. Was there a reason you went with the blackout rather than just sort of make it more based on your regular, the white branded pre? Yeah. So, you know, we can, uh, we can get into a caffeine debate. There's uh, oh. you know, a, lot of, a lot of people that are against high levels of caffeine. There's a lot of people that love it. Uh, but again, from the, from the data and, and all the analysis perspective, the higher stimulant products typically sell better. Um, you know, people are looking for the higher stim products. So because we went with 400 caffeine, um, that's the same caffeine level that we use in our blackout pre-workout powder currently. Oh, okay, yeah. We felt like it was, you know, so just a line, the line bit yeah. of the blackout. Yeah. Um, our white pre-workout, which we call our core series, has 275 caffeine. So it's a little bit less, um, but we didn't feel like it would cross over with that type of product. Um, and we wanted to try to be as consistent to that as possible. Because the other one you did this year, if I'm not mistaken, was the loaded bar which was another kind of first for you. You had the, the rise hadn't really stepped into um, 
functional market protein snacks. It did kind of make sense because you just came off the uh, the blackout RTD. I think it was in May you dropped the bar, and it yep. also made sense because Prosups. I guess you with Prosups you had the my bar and uh, the cookie at some point. Right. Um, so yeah, what was the? I'm assuming the reasoning behind the light loaded bar was very similar to just a different area, new category, new. Uh, I guess more more customers, a different space for Rise. For sure. So again, when you look at trending, growing categories, uh, functional foods obviously continues to grow at pretty pretty good uh, incremental rates. Um, and and piggybacking off of the success we saw with the RTD. Um, we saw an opportunity uh, to get into the, the protein bar market, if you will. Um, now being that I would say probably 60% of our overall sales right now come in our loaded protein powder. Um, again, we saw you know a lot of crossover of how we can play off of our protein into a protein bar. Um, and again, you mentioned you know, I, you know some experience at ProSups. We did make a bar called My Bar, um, which actually did really, really well the first year. Um, but again, you know, you live and learn. And uh, I learned a lot from the manufacturing side, the operational side, um, both bars and RTDs become, can become very costly if you don't do it right. Um, even on the even on the carbonated beverage side. So, you know, it's a little bit different when you go outside of your wheelhouse, uh, pre workout powders and aminos and protein, yeah. uh, you start messing with stuff where you need a bottle and it's a liquid system, 12 of them go in a box. Um, it's a little bit different and, you know, you got to make sure you've got all the components together um, and it can become very expensive. If there's changes, then you're throwing out wrappers or bottles or boxes. So, you know, definitely learned a lot in my experience with those projects at ProSups. But, um, you know, we felt like there was a, a need uh, for a protein bar. And again, everything we do is data driven. So, you know, Nick will send out some surveys to our consumer base asking, hey, if we did a protein bar, would you be interested in it? What type of protein bar? Um, what kind of macros are you looking for and things like that. So that's another great piece, a great, a great thing when you're a, a strong direct to consumer brand is you get immediate access to your customers. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's the difference versus being a brand that sells on Amazon where you don't get that access to the customer. Right. So, you know, we're able to really, and they help us navigate flavors we're going to use, maybe the next products we come out with, but again, it's good to get data, um, from these people. And, um, we saw an opportunity for protein bar. Um, we decided to take the approach of a whole food type of protein bar, um, not really going after the, the net one gram sugar carb market. Yeah, yeah. Um, wanted something that was whole food, tasted really, really good. Um, and that's kind of what we did with the loaded bar. Um, I'll be honest with you, we weren't happy with how the bar came out. Um, we are looking to kind of go back to the drawing board on the protein bar. Um, we might take a completely different strategy with that bar um, and maybe go with a different manufacturer, maybe create a different type of bar. Um, the good news is, is we weren't overly exposed um, on our first run with the loaded bar. Not that the product was bad. I mean, it was, it was a good bar, um, but it wasn't great in our opinion. And, you know, the threshold for anything we do here at Rise is great. Uh, Rise is really known for really good quality products, but really exceptional taste. Uh, from our proteins to our pre-workouts to our RTDs, people really rave about our flavor systems and taste. And we felt like we missed the boat a little bit on the bar, a little bit of inconsistencies in terms of texture and flavor on some of them. So um, we're going to go back to the drawing board um, and, and see what we can do uh, to come out with a little bit of a better product that we feel uh, really comfortable with. Yeah, I'll say I, I didn't mind the, uh, I mean, it was obviously a lot like the uh, the outright bar in terms of the right. whole food approach and the size. Uh, the flavors weren't bad. I guess it was the consistency was right. a bit tough. And I think that just meant that you couldn't, you didn't fully experience the flavors. They didn't really have much. Yeah. And, you know, March they were the there. I definitely. Great, great, good friend of mine. We've known each other for a long time. I mean, I'm an outright consumer at the same time. So really, really cool bar. Um, you know, our bar was very similar. Uh, we decided to kind of go different a bit ingredients, different ingredients. Yeah. We wanted to play with some MCTs because it plays off of our protein currently, uh, the medium chain triglycerides, um, went with a lower, lower sugar option. Um, you know, I felt like, uh, you know, that would resonate a little bit better with our consumer. That is also the one knock that I've consistently heard about the outright bar is that it does taste good, but it's yeah. Like, I mean, it's even not for a, me, it's not a bodybuilder uh, type bar. I, 
No, I mean, I, I'm pretty strict on my diet. And, you know, if you're, you're eating a couple of those bars a day, I mean, I don't, I never consume 30 grams of sugar in a day. You know what I mean? So yeah. to get that from two bars to me, I probably wouldn't do. So that's kind of why we decided to take that strategy and go a little bit lower with the sugar. Um, but like you said, I mean, it's definitely not a bad product. Uh, I still got people that rave about the product. Um, but we're just, we want to make the best product we can make. And um, we just weren't overly happy with the, consist the consistency issues. Um, you know, you get two bars in the same box and they'd be slightly different at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, and I've heard, I've heard, you know, similar feedback uh, on some of these other bars that are made at the same manufacturer. So, um, and, you know, again, I've had outright bars and, you know, they, they also vary from the flavor systems, right? So, mm. you know, some of them are different, bigger, smaller consistency textures, a little bit different based on the flavor profile. Uh, some are a little softer, some are not. So um, we just decided to go a different route. Um, you know, Mark's done a great job with his bar and really capturing that market and, and props to him for doing that. Um, but at the end of the day, our online, our online customers uh, weren't super happy with the bar we released. So we're gonna go back, uh, might go a completely different approach, maybe a lower sugar option than even what we started with. Um, and maybe a different type of bar. So, yeah, I would have thought if you wanted the flavors to shine, I would have thought the uh, like the my bar candy bar style. I thought it would have just been suitable because those ones, I mean, they're just like the my bar. The, the first few, remember the first lot I had was just, I mean, it, it was one of the earliest. Well, you know, and we won't dive too deep into the details here, but you've got a lot of manufacturers um, that basically make the same product for everybody. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, when we released my bar, um, it was big for us. It was actually one of the, I think it actually was the biggest new product we ever launched at ProSups over the years in the first year in terms of gross revenue. Oh, wow. So it did really, really well. Um, but what happened was next thing you know, the next year there was seven other my bars that yes, were released. I, I said that everyone who said this to me, brands they were like uh that was that's exactly my i'm like well, see, what do you think happened like why did the my, my bar not be as like not stay as popular i was like well it's plain and simple my bar was the first big one to come out when when quest uh kind of became less popular and then you had like oh, <laughs> yeah muscle farm was around the same time muscle tip yep, was there around was the so same. many of them that came out and i think what happened was we had my bar in there. I mean, Quest was obviously still strong, but it was a little bit on the it was different. Quest was uh, a very different, totally different bar. bar. Different yeah. bar. Uh, the Oh Yeah One Bar was actually doing really well here in America at the time, um, which again, it's more like a Quest bar. That's more of a Quest type yeah. bar. So ours, you know, was still lower sugar, but it wasn't a net one gram type of bar focused on taste, obviously. Uh, but next thing you know, these retailers that were selling my bar, Quest One Bar, now they've got nine other my bar companies. Yeah floating it in there. And uh, of course they brought most of them in and then you just sat saturation. At that point it becomes saturated, right? You've got four of the bars that are similar to my bar, but some different flavors that my bar doesn't come in, you know, and then it kind of just it saturates was, everybody. Yeah. It was tricky um, at that time. I remember. Bars you have to keep in mind too is, you know, bars for the most part are, are best up to about six to eight months, right? From manufacturing date. Uh, just to keep it soft, texture, flavor, um, you know, you, you'll get, you'll get a year to year and a half shelf life on them. Um, but they taste best if consumed usually within the first 12 months, even better six months when these, when these stores and distributors got saturated with all these other bars, um, the turns slow down, right? So we're still selling product, just not as many. Well, at that point, bars start to sit longer and the longer bars sit there, you know, the, the, they'll, they'll turn a little bit over time. Um, then it became into a situation where we just got stuck with a lot of product. Um, because sales started to slow down. And when you're stuck with a lot of product, a lot of boxes, a lot of wrappers, um, it becomes a pretty pretty bad financial issue. So uh, at ProSups, we decided to get out of it at that point. Um, you know, and you live and learn. These are things I've learned over the time. Um, now we had really, really high minimum order quantities at ProSups for my bar. Um, you know, now looking back, there's a lot of manufacturers where you don't need to run that much product. Um, even our loaded bar, we were able to to run a small run where the risk is not too bad. So, you know, for us right now to move away and do something different, we're not really exposed. You know, we sold all the products, so we're good there. I don't have a hundred thousand dollars in boxes laying around or wrappers. So um, that's the other thing too. There's a lot of more manufacturing out there. 
guys that are open to doing smaller production runs. Um, and being a small company like we are still, you know, keeping cash, keeping cash, uh, cash flow is important. Obviously, you can't tie it all up in inventory at the end of the day. So, um, but the bar markets, it, 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 you know, of all the categories I've ever experienced, the bar category is the hardest category. Um, it's but just you get, uh, it's, you get you get things like uh, like with the my bar situation where if you get something good. It's not too long before everyone else thinks, "Why don't I give it a it go?" Out. And it's sure. uh, it's 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 kind of that when you do when brands do protein powders, they'll do like their birthday cake. It'll be a hit. Then everybody does a birthday cake. And if you remember this, we were at ProSups. We were the first one to do a glazed donut protein. Do you remember that? Oh shit! You were. In our it was in our PS way. You probably even did a post about it. But we did a glazed donut PS way. Oh well, and yeah. About four or five months later, those three other brands with a donut flavor. Um, it's, a, right. it's, it's a hard thing. And protein bar is tough because, as you say, you don't want to, if you're one of the first, it costs a shitload of money to be right. one of the first. And then if everyone comes on. Well, you know what the other thing with protein bars, and I guess this is more related to food foods in general. Um, when it comes to pre-workout powders, BCAs, uh, even protein powders, um, the feedback we get from people is usually overly positive. They love it, tastes great, you know, this and that. Food items like protein bars are all <laughs> over the map. Oh, yeah. Like me and you can say, we love this protein bar. <laughs> yeah. I have somebody over here that thinks it's absolutely terrible. Um, yeah. It's crazy. And one of the surveys we did for when we were talking about protein bars, we asked our, our following, um, what are some protein bars you currently consume? Someone put on there the Gatorade protein bar. Oh, they make a protein uh, bar? I didn't even know that. Hey, I, you know, I didn't know they made a protein bar, but there's no way the Gatorade protein bar can be a great tasting bar and nothing <laughs> against those guys. You know what I mean? Um, but like, if that's, if that's what we're going after, like that's completely different. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So when it comes to foods, I just feel like everybody's palate is different. What their expectation is totally different. And you have to almost be comfortable knowing not, you know, eight out of 10 people might not think it's the best. Um, you know, because we're so used to 9.9 out of 10 feedback on our products. Yeah. You start seeing a 6 and 10, a 7 and 10. We're just not, you know, not used to it. But that's kind of how the functional food space works. It gets, um, even, it gets even crazier when you get to your, I can tell you, the, the I, variety. I would bet. They... I would bet. Um, you know, while we're talking about bars, and this is off subject, but there's a bar that uh, I think it's made in Europe. I think it's doing really, really well. It's the, is it Barbells? Oh, man. I got a st I mean that that brand I came across them what was it 3 years ago when I was in Iceland and I went into a supermarket there and it was 1 euro it was at the front and I was like shit I'm fucking starving I need to eat something <laughs> and it was at the front and it was a, it wasn't like a supermarket it's like a discount supermarket and in Iceland something for 1 euro was not seen so I was like shit picked it up right right it was like their currency but um equal to a euro so I grabbed uh one of each and uh, just walked out and I bit into it and I stopped and I went, holy shit. And I said to my wife, I was like, eat this. And she's like, I, I said, eat it. And she ate it. And she's like, oh my God, this is fucking amazing. And then we later learned it was Swedish company, yep. giant in Sweden. There isn't a gas station, convenience store, supermarket. Yeah. You will go. They're kind of like the, the grenade of the UK, you know? Oh, it's even it's even more intense in Sweden. Yeah. Like they're above. I saw a bunch of people posting about it. I've seen you even talk really highly about it. It so is my. A couple boxes a couple weeks ago. Um, honestly, it's okay. It didn't yeah. blow my mind. That's, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's like, I think I'm a big fan of candy bar style bars. So kind of like the my bar. And this like, is. I'm not a big fan of the nuggety type, type of bar, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of like that bar. So again, not bad at all. I mean, it's a good bar. But I was as much as people rave about it, I was expecting to be blown away personally. Um, but it just shows you how like feedback is all over the map. It is. Uh, and they're probably doing hundreds of millions of dollars in that bar. Um, they, um, like even if the West was the last bar on the shelf, I, I couldn't eat it at this point. And again, <laughs> no, you know, nothing against them. I mean, they're, you know, $500 million company. Um, so it's just, it's just crazy. Um, how it is different. The, the Barbells ones worth mentioning is that their flavors, like I remember having their salty peanut, which is amazing. 
and I had their coconut. Not a nowhere near the same kind of. Didn't didn't taste the same. I, think I had a salted peanut and a. Um, there was a chocolate I got. Yeah, there's a the, the chocolate uh, with different consistency yeah, and texture than the other ones. The the I think it has like sprinkles on it. Crunchy fudge. Yeah, but it was a different texture. It was a different yeah, type yeah. of bar almost. That's the thing when they do these each the different flavors, they vary so much, and like you can be in love with one, and just like not like the other one. Like yeah. you could have wrapped it in something else. And so yeah. some of their flavors are like I mean amazing. I say probably four or five. They have thirteen, I think. Actually, no, it might be eleven. They have a lot in Sweden. Um, but they also do protein ice cream. They do ice cream oh. on a stick. Yeah. And that shit tastes amazing. They do. But the one thing that I've always admired them is in Sweden, they're not put in the snack the, the health aisle. If you go to the Swedish stores, their protein bars are above candy bars. They're like oh, right so they, next they, to them. They put them in that. They put them over there. Yeah, and then they'll spread. Obviously, it's, it's more accessible for the consumer shopping for a candy bar, and they say, "Hey, look, this looks like yeah, a healthy exactly. option." Exactly. Yeah. Smart. Um, you know, I think most people would love to be categorized there. Yeah, it's, you know, that's the it, one advantage I, I admire about in Scandinavia. Is you go to these. And the brands spread out. They'll have ice cream next to sugary ice cream. They'll have, right. um, they got their protein. But you know, there's a ones. lot of great bars that come out of Europe. Um, yeah. And you probably know this. Bars in Europe are a lot different than bars in America. Sweetness levels, texture, um, they're just completely different. But I would say probably, there's probably more successful bars made in Europe than actually in the USA. Um, I don't think they're as successful as in, 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 in money, monetary wise. I think... U.S. still does. Still, just yeah. Does. Well, the hard the hard part is it's tough for those brands to come here. Yeah, it's very those, nice. If those brands were able to capture sales in America and and combine what they do in Europe, they would probably be from a that's, monetary perspective. That's what I think. Barbells is doing uh, so well. But I think you know, again, I think Americans they love super sweet stuff, which is completely different than European. Um, it's just different. Uh, yeah. Like you know, we talk about Grenade. I actually think Grenade's a good bar. Grenade um, is another one of, one of my, my top fives. Yeah. Um, I love the, I think it's the white chip chocolate, I think. Oh, uh, um, the original. My favorite. Um, I had that at FIBO for the first time a couple years back, and I was that one actually blew me away. Um, but what's crazy is here in America, they haven't been able to do a lot. They haven't, um, they haven't been able to. A lot of their flavors as well, they, they, when they brought them to the U.S., they changed some names, they changed some colors because they felt that, like, like Jaffa Cake, for example, they wouldn't, we wouldn't, know, wouldn't know what it is. They didn't bring it. So they were just like, there's right. no way. There's not a chance in hell. And I think when they did cookies and cream, um, or they changed it to like a, a blue because it was a more familiar color to US because right. uh, they originally had it white. Um, but it, it is. This comp and as you say, I think the Barbell's protein bar is, my, is the best there is. That's, yeah. In Europe, that's considered the gold standard to a lot, almost everyone. Yeah. Um, but then you're saying like, it's it's hard to make something that everybody in Europe would like and then expect Americans to like it too. For sure. Um, and again, you know, for us going back to bars, I mean, our goal is to make a bar, obviously, that we can sell in America first, um, being an American-based company. Um, but we know we know our current online community wants a bar. They're buying another company's bar right now. So that's that's where we focus. You know, um, you know, it's Probably not going to be a hundred million dollars at the end of the day, but it could get us in some some functional food play. It plays off of our number one selling product, which is our loaded protein. Yeah. So it's a great extension off of that protein powder. Um, so we'll get back in the game on it. Um, you know, obviously we'd love to you know do some business in the retail world. And hey, if we can sell some of this stuff internationally, I was actually able to, to get some loaded bar. Um, I got some to you know a, a, quite a bit of countries already. So. Um, and overall the feedback was good, but we just, again, weren't, we didn't feel like it was a 10 out of 10. And I think that's the, kind of the rise branding and the name you've built quite a, uh, it, it, it has that, um, I don't know, even if you don't know the brand, it doesn't look like it just a fresh looks premium, right? It looks premium. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, I have to divert the credit to Nick. He's, he's built this brand. I've only been on since January. So. Um, but as we, you know, hopefully work together and, and take this brand global and continue to build it, but you're right, you know, it is, you know, nobody likes the term lifestyle brand, but it, you know, it is more of a mainstream type of brand. It's not a hardcore necessarily bodybuilding brand. It does appeal to all genders, demographics, age groups. Um, but we really focus on flavor. And um, I don't, have, have you even tried our protein? I think so. 
I think I'm, but I would have, I think I tried it way, way back. Like, so I definitely need to get you early years. But um, when I tried the protein for the first time, when coming over, I was, I was blown away straight up honest as, you know, as I could be, I tried the cinnamon toast crunch protein and I'm not really a cinnamon person. And I was blown away on the cinnamon toast crunch. Uh, we have a chocolate cookie blast right now, which is a deep, deep, dark chocolate base with basically crushed up Oreo pieces, cookie pieces in it, which is, it's unbelievable. So um, that's what people hold us up to in terms of flavors. So we need, you know, our Tiger's Blood pre-workout, people rave about. The Baja yeah, burst, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've heard the that. Baja and our RTD, people rave about. So um, we just didn't feel like we had that with the bar. So, we're, you know, we're going to go back to the drawing board and, and try to do it right. On the supplement side is, because uh, I mean, as far as you're saying with functional, with the drink and the, you guys have been busy with the supplements. It's uh, the last, I I think the last, I, I can't, I think the last new one you did was the blackout series. If I'm not mistaken, it was the uh, new supplements or like in supplement side. Um, yeah, I'm assuming you guys, uh, I imagine we, you're always part of work. We extended the project blackout pre-workout with two new flavors. Oh yeah. And the, the capsules. Uh, yeah, The Baja and the, um, the mango this year. Um, we added a fifth flavor in our white pre-workout, which is our core series. Um, we actually launched it for the 4th of July weekend. It's called Freedom Rocks. Yeah. Um, it has that, 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 uh, popping rock technology in there. Uh, we actually brought that out now because it did really well and people liked it. So we, we launched that flavor. Um, we've launched a couple keeping, of protein. Are you, are you keeping that on? Yeah, it's on. Yeah, we're keeping it on. So yeah, it's uh it's a move, a go forward skew. Uh, we're oh, still sweet. selling it now. Um, well, we've actually been focusing a lot on protein flavors because, again, being our top-selling product, yeah. um, we did the Fruity Crunch, I think, earlier. It was either late last year or earlier this year, um, which is a kind of like a Fruity Pebbles-type flavor. Um, and then we did the Chocolate Cookie Blast um, probably about three or four months ago. Uh, we do have a fifth flavor of protein coming out at the end of this month. Um, I could just tell everybody it's going to be a little bit – it's going to be more vanilla-based but it's not going to be a straight vanilla. So focusing on adding uh, there because we're winning with protein and it's doing really well. We also expanded into a larger size, which is really important for the international business. Um, we had a 27 serving, which you could say on average is about a two pounder. Um, we expanded to a 54 serving, so we doubled it. Uh, typically your international business like the larger sizes. So we, we did uh, double that up. Um, L-carnitines we launched earlier this year. That was a new SKU, um, probably in February or March. Um, kind of went with some unique flavors. We did a zebra fruit, which was was kind of different. Um, yeah, I remember asking you about that. Yeah, so not a lot of people. Us old guys know what it is. The kids don't know, but a lot of people, I get messages say, I tried that zebra. They don't even know what they're buying. They just like it because it's got a zebra on it. Like. I mean, that's that's the way the flavors it, go these days. It's crazy. Um, and people really rave about our zebra fruit L-carnitine. So that's been doing well. Um, I feel like we launched a couple other things. We did just recently Yeah, you did the capsules. A liquid pump capsule product. Yeah. Pretty pretty simple. Just some betaine nitrate uh, and glycerol. Um, but what's really cool, it comes in a clear cap. You can actually see the liquid inside of it. Uh, we created a, a new packaging design um, with it where it's kind of see-through that lets you see it. Um, you'll see uh, a couple other products probably by the end of the year that'll come out with that same packaging, that clear blackout series packaging that the pump capsules come in currently. Um, we are working on a few other products there to come out in it. Um, we are working on a vegan protein right now. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Actually something we wanted to do for a while, kind of got slowed down a little bit with COVID. Um, and we've had a lot of products. I mean, RTD has been, you know, has been a new one for us. So keeping that in stock, obviously making sure we keep protein in stock during these times. Um, we can't run out of those products because we got to continue to sell them. So yeah, some things yeah. back a little bit, but uh, we're picking back up on the vegan protein. People would say why? Uh, well, we saw a lot of whey protein right now. People do look at Rise as a protein brand. Um, and we feel like we have the guy um, who's a flavor artist who can make the best tasting vegan protein that's been made. Um, I'll yeah, tell you, that's a, that is a, that is a challenge that I've heard. Um, well, every company probably says it, right? Oh, We're it's, best. I mean, that's kind of the, the thing. The thing was, is it happened last year. I think it was late last year. Someone said, oh, my protein, my vegan protein is the best out there. And I was like, oh, okay, this should be cool. Cause at that time it was still quiet. Right. Didn't have too many people. And I'm like, 
he wouldn't say this unless it was. And then I tried it and I was like, oh, I mean, it's not bad. And then the next person said it. Then the next person said it. I was like, maybe there's someone flavoring these that's telling them. <laughs> yeah. But it's... Um, well, it depends. Who are you comping against? Who's your demographic? Who's your consumer? Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to the vegan world, um, it's completely different. You got you to gotta understand who you're going after, right? It's a, are you it's going a, after the yeah. Vegas, the Garden of Life, hippie? Oh, if you compare yourself to mainstream brands, right? it's not hard to beat them. I've tried some yeah, of these big right. ones. I mean, literally go in, your, go in your backyard, cut up some grass, put some plants in it, throw water and drink it, right? <laughs> um, well, that's the thing. I think, though, is because some people will say it's the best tasting out there and they tried those big ones. And then others will say it's the best tasting out there and they'll actually will have tried some of the best tasting ones. Like, um, I think Nutrix does a very good one. Nutrix actually does a um, really good one. Uh, and the Ghost, Ghost guys is, do a good one. And uh, I would do any other one. And Doug say the core one tastes really good. I haven't I've, been able to try it. It's the core one's not bad. It's I mean I'm I've had um, having a peanut butter now. It's um, it's 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 hard because the uh, it definitely masks that grittiness. So it's right. but the, it doesn't have that pop that I, I I kind of get with the flavor pop like you get with the Ghost and New Tricks where mm -hmm. you know you're not just masking it. You are actually making it taste. And I don't know if you know, uh, do you know the boys uh, from Beam? Oh, yeah. That's another one. Uh, good, good friends of mine. Um, I think they, they made a pretty good taste. Yes, one. they did. That was another yeah. one. I think um, the only other one that... that like... Last week, my girlfriend actually drank some vegan stuff. So I let her try this stuff out. So she was she liked uh, some of the stuff they sent as well. Yeah, uh, they make another great one. They just, it's in, like the only other good one I've had on top of those four would be from Switch in Australia. I've heard they, you mention that. Obviously, I've never tried those guys. They, uh, um, theirs is theirs is like the other guys. The ones you're talking, their their masking ability is very similar, and their flavors. But the switch nutrition one, I don't know what he did. He did something funky, but like it just it's a different kind of hmm. better tasting vegan. I think I he was saying, I get my hands on a bottle. I'll have a, I'll have the guys in, in Oz send me a bottle of that stuff. It's um, and they also do different. So many, there's so many different ways you can go with vegan, right? Um, Just make sure I, you compare it to some of those good ones. And you have to compare, right? You have to compare, but you also have to know the demographic that you're going after. Yeah. The type of product you're making, the type of blend you're making. Are you trying to go after a full essential amino acid profile? Are you beefing up the amino content by adding extra leucine, leucine. or essentials, right? Um, my goal is I would, you know, when I say we want to make the best tasting vegan, I would love to make a vegan protein that tastes as good as our way. That's a hard, that's, a hard, that's the hard thing to right? do. It's going to be hard. So, you know, we, we've actually got some feedback um, as of recent. And, and again, I'm not the vegan guy. Nick is not the vegan guy. Um, we actually have some pretty big vegan athletes that's helping us through the process because at the end of the day, everything today is about authenticity. Yeah. And if we're, you know, we're not just going to make a vegan protein to have a vegan protein. There needs to be a mission. There needs to be a reason for it. And our vegan athletes who promote vegan products is the reason. So they'll help us in, in terms of flavoring and, and making the product that we want to make and obviously be the advocate and faces of this, this series, if you will. Um, but uh, I feel confident that we can make something. But in some of the data that we got, we talk about the texture or the grit or the pop, as you say, yeah. with some of the stuff, right? That doesn't appeal to me. I don't know. <laughs> like, that's probably the biggest thing <laughs> for me personally to get over. You know, I'm just not a fan of it, right? Um, but you talk to some, I'm going to say, more fitness-oriented, archetype one people. Um, they almost expect it, which is interesting. So because they're vegan protein people – they actually like that grittiness. Yeah, that's that's something wow. I've noticed. So, but, you know, one of the debates were, do we try to completely get rid of it, mask it, not have it at all? Well, then we're hearing from our vegan crowd, no, we actually like that. So, so you have to be, you know, obviously, you know, in today's world of R&D and anything you do, there's, there's so many ways to get feedback from your customers. And if you're a brand owner and you're not doing this, shame on you, you know, shame on you. Um, the days of us just creating products because we personally like to make them, those days are pretty much gone, right? There's so much data, consumer stuff out there that, you know, you should be making products that your consumers either are asking for or wanting or buying from another brand, right? Yeah. Um, 
And uh, so that's kind of led us into this. We'll see how things play out. Um, I would say probably a 50-50 chance that we'll be able to launch a, this vegan product by the end of this year. Um, oh, wow. But we're not, again, we're not going to launch it until we get it right. So, so you've got like six weeks. Yeah, six you're weeks. right. That's why I put a 50-50 on there. It's probably going to fall into Q1 of next year. Um, actually, the guys are, are today, they're actually at the, uh, the manufacturer whipping up some flavors and then testing some stuff as we speak. So depending on how that goes. Um, but I do have a guy um, that's uh, integrated into this business. His background is a flavor artist. So when it comes to flavor systems, masking, um, that's what he does for a living. And yeah. uh, if you've tried any of the Rise products, you could say it's probably some of the best stuff out there. So having that guy uh, on, our, on our staff, if you will, I feel pretty confident that we should be able to make one of the best tasting vegan proteins that we can possibly make. Um, and again, we're not going 100% stevia, naturally sweetened type of play. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> not our consumers, right? Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're looking for people that probably have been longtime whey consumers of protein. And now for whatever reason, maybe they're allergic, maybe, maybe they don't like how it feels on their stomach. They feel heavy. Uh, maybe it's a lactose issue. For whatever reason, these are people that have probably taken whey or other type of protein supplements that are now vegan consumers. Um, those are who we're going after. And a lot of them are our current consumers currently. So, you know, they're not saying I can't have sucralose or this and that. Um, so knowing from a flavor system perspective, we should be able to make something that tastes really good uh, because we're not limited or bound to some of those things, right? Yeah. Um, We'll see how it plays out. Pretty excited about that one. Um, I've got some really good international demand on vegan protein as well. Um, I think you can get really creative with flavors, um, whether you're mixing, you know, caramels or, you know, if you, you mix in some fruit stuff with your chocolates or vanillas or, you know, it helps kind of help with the sweetness levels. So there's a lot of different creative ways you can go with vegan. Um, and then obviously there's tons of blends, pea, watermelon, apricot, tons of blends you can do. Uh, obviously, you want to make sure whatever blend you put in there, um, you can get pretty much a full essential amino acid profile. Um, that's, the, that's one of the trends you used to be seeing as the added leucine. I think usually it's a gram that they add in per serving. Yeah, a lot of people add maybe, you know, we're from a, a gram. I've seen upwards of five grams of leucine just to beef it up. Um, but if you don't, you know, chances are you're going to use P um, because, it, you know, it does carry a lot of the essential profile. Um, and then figure out probably what the other one to three protein sources you're going to put in there. See if you need to bump it up with any leucine or essentials on top. Um, you know, then you can look at things like Velocitol or, you know, some other things that help maybe with absorption of protein and nitrogen retention as well. So uh, we'll see how it plays out, but we've got some pretty cool ideas. Um, you know, I, I, I'm banking on our flavor guy to, to make this thing really good and we'll make sure to get you out of tub as soon as it's ready. Yeah, definitely let me know how it goes. Um, I've had a few challenges. I've had, I had two new plant proteins this week and someone said they were amazing. And see, I, I drink things and if I think something's disgusting, my reaction is relatively the same as if it was just average. Right. I gave it to my wife and she's like, did you know this tasted like shit? And I was, <laughs> I was like, I just wanted to gauge. I just wanted to know how bad it yeah, is. But I mean, I've been in the same situation again, because I'm not a vegan consumer. It's tough for me to say if it tastes good or not. Right. Um, because I, you know, I think all vegan stuff today, I'm still going to take away. Oh body. yeah. You do. You uh, do have to go at it. Like, but then I give it to my girlfriend and she's like, wow, this is amazing. And I, you know, I just don't get it. Like, you I've know, learned, I've learned like I would drink this over away. And I'm like, there's no way no. I would do that. You know what I mean? I could, I could never do that. I could, like, I have yet to come across something that's convinced me that it's like, they're good but i do i do understand that when i drink these things you have to expect that thick texture you have to expect like that casein type graininess yeah, super thick and um, the, the taste gonna isn't gonna bite on there you're not uh, gonna get a sweet taste you're gonna get a moderate kind of smoothness and i always take them with that in mind but it is still fun giving it to someone who absolutely doesn't like them <laughs> seeing um, it, it just well, gives you a reality like, check we might navigate down that path a little bit more um, with, you know, maybe a greens product and some other stuff, depending on the success of how the vegan protein does. Um, you know, we do have a nice roadmap for 2021, obviously seeing how all this craziness around the world, you know, ends up, but uh, you know, we would love to have, you know, most categories of products uh, offered under the rise brand. So 
Um, but as far as this year, um, you'll see another protein flavor in about four weeks, maybe vegan by the end of the year. Um, I don't think we'll get our fourth flavor of RTD out by the end of this year. So probably Q1, you'll see a fourth flavor of the RTD. Um, bar relaunch, Q1 of next year. Um, we are working on a pretty cool creatine muscle building product. Uh, probably going to roll over into Q1 next year. Um, you know, a couple different forms of creatine, um, an ingredient called peak ATP, which I'm a big fan of right now. So kind of a performance muscle building creatine. A daily, daily all-in-one kind of thing. What's that? A, like a daily all-in-one kind of. Daily, yeah, take it every day. No stem, uh, muscle building type of product. So uh, that'll probably roll into Q1 as well. That'll be a, a powder form. Um, you know, we've talked about our, you know, we make a protein pancake mix that not a lot of people talk about, but it's yeah. actually a seller for us. It's, uh, a, it's, it's an odd one when I, because we came out with that one. I just remember being like, that's an odd, it's an yeah, odd thing to uh, see. <laughs> I've never been at a company that had a product like that. So when I came over here, I was pleasantly surprised to see how well it did. Um, and I think because the category is not overly saturated, there's not a ton of competition there. Um, uh, we're able to do well. So we're looking to expand additional flavors in that as well. Um, and that kind of plays, it kind of plays in the functional food space. But also, again, it brands off of our protein, which it is does, loaded. It does. So it kind of it kind of fits all, all all avenues there. So we might look at a larger size bag and also some additional flavors next year. And that we'll probably drop a couple other protein flavors next year. Um, I am working on a gainer right now, which is going to be more targeted for our international business. Um, there's some markets like the Middle East and things like that where you're yeah, 12 they're, they're, uh, gainers are really, really big sellers. The 20 pounder um, bags. Yeah. So here in America, the gainers are not huge categories. Um, but this year we've been able to actually get rise into over 30 new countries since January. Oh, wow. So the brand has expanded a lot internationally. We're getting some demand now for people wanting a rise gainer. Um, we'll probably go with our blackout packaging on that one. Um, but that's currently in development right now. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, you know, and uh, probably some stuff we're not discussing right now that we'll look into. Um, you know, we've tossed around the ideas of protein RTDs. Um, you know, we definitely would love to, and we are going to do a carbonated beverage at some point. Um, that was going to be a question of mine, but I was like, for sure, we need to have it. Nick wants to do it. I want to do it. Um, again, learning from my experience of power potion. I want to take our time. There's, you know, tons and tons of brands now that have carbonated energy. So yeah. super saturated. Um, I just want to make sure we do it right and, and take our time with it. So don't have an ETA on that. I would say hopefully next year at some point. Um, if, if you can do a, a protein RTD, I, I definitely would appreciate it. I keep telling everyone when they say what the best tasting one in America is. And I was like, I'm not going to lie. A lot of them are bearable, but they're yeah. just... They're just not like I'm me, used to. I had to get a protein drink and I didn't have powder with me and I'm traveling. I would grab a lean body. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've had the lean body RTDs. I've had enough. most of them, but they're all. 40 grams of protein um, taste okay. Like that would maybe come out forever. If you have you tried grenades one? We don't really have those here. You know? Oh, no, so, no, no. But I mean, in yeah, the UK, they out. have, if you, that one can pass as chocolate milk. It's insane. Sugar's a little bit high, like not like crazy high and not carbs out that high. More like a monster milk, kind of? Yeah, probably. Barbells makes one as well. They, okay. um, when you get to Europe, like they don't mind the extra carbs and sugar. I think they sit, sit around 25 grams of protein, maybe 10 carbs. 10 carbs, yeah. Five so, probably, but yeah. like, that's the thing in America, you don't get that option you have like they all pretty much around the same and they all taste around the same. Whereas when you go for right. these ones and I'm just like, you, you need. Again, protein RTDs are, are, are they're complicated. Um, oh yeah. I'm interested to see what the Redcon one does. Um, I actually uh, wanted to do a Tetra pack RTD at ProSups a few years ago. Um, just cause I saw, I saw a hole there. Lean body was kind of the only one that was still around. Um, but obviously we never, we're never able to do it. Uh, Redcon looks like they're doing a Tetra pack. I think it's a 40, maybe more 50 gram protein drink. Optimum has one. Do they got the one in the, um, the gold standard optimum has a uh, gold standard Did one. Did they come out with one? It's, there was it. Tetra pack or plastic bottle? 
It was it was the Tetra. It was at uh, GNC, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. They launched it alongside their gold standard pre. It was very quiet. It wasn't yeah, really yeah. It didn't make a lot of noise about, about it. it. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't tell you last time I've been to a GNC either, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll see. I mean, when it comes to that stuff, you're talking high high runs. Oh, yeah. You know, protein stuff, high runs. Um, if you're doing plastic bottle, people would be amazed of how many plastic bottles you have to commit to for a production run. Um, I don't know the specifics on the Tetra Pak world just because I never got that far into it, but I have to believe it's not low. So, you know, cost of entry to get into this space of a protein. Again, we're talking protein, right? Nobody makes great margin on protein. It doesn't matter if it's a powder, an RTD, a bar, any, you know, even a BCA, like, you know, BCAs are protein at the end of the day. Anything protein related, you're just not gonna make a lot of money. Um, and you have to look at it as how much cash does it take to produce? And then how long does it take to get back your investment? And then what do you make on that investment, right? Um, you know, when you're growing up, when you're growing a brand, it's all about allocation of dollars. And, you know, where do you, where do you put those dollars that, you know, A, you can make money, you can turn it really quickly, get more money back in, order it and get it back out. Um, protein's just, you know, it's a brand builder. Like you almost, you have to have protein to be a legitimate brand. Um, but it's a margin and cash flow killer at the same time. So. Well, as you touched yeah. on earlier, it's, it's one of those things where like the RTD, people see the protein, but like, oh, I wonder yeah. what else they have. So it's, it that's what's a... been pretty cool about coming here to rise. I mean, at ProSups, we sold quite a bit of protein internationally. Um, but domestically we, you know, obviously everybody knew us as Mr. High and Dr. Jekyll, right? Um, Hydro BCA started to do well the last couple of years, but ProSups wasn't known as a protein brand. So, you know, coming over here, it's been kind of cool being at a brand where protein is what we're known for. Yeah. And not so much the pre-workout, it's kind of the, the opposite. So um, I feel like it's a little bit easier to sell somebody a pre-workout once they like your protein versus <laughs> sell them a protein once you like your pre-workout. Um, because at the end of the day, everybody takes a protein for the most part, right? Yeah. Not everybody takes a pre-workout. So, you know, all those Mr. Hyde consumers that we had at ProSups over the years, they were buying a protein. Most, it wasn't really a ProSups protein. Could have been Optimum, could have been Dimatized, could have been Rise. Um, it could have been another brand, but once you get the consumer loyal, cause I feel like protein is the hardest category to yeah. get a consumer to make a switch. Once you get them into your protein, I feel like it's a lot easier to get them into other products. So yeah, that's, uh, that's why we did the protein wars. That's why yeah, we right, have, right. Yep. that's, uh, um, but, uh, no, I mean, overall for us, you know, uh, we were, we were a little bit lucky being a online direct to consumer brand prior to COVID. Uh, obviously, with lockdowns and the craziness that's gone on this year, the online world has been pretty stable. So consumers have still been buying online, whether they were working out at home or whatnot. So thank God that business for us has been pretty stable. We weren't overly exposed. You know, a lot of brands had products in GNCs and vitamin shops that closed down. Um, a lot of bankruptcy stuff happened. So, you know, that hurt a lot of your bigger legacy brands. Um, since we're small, we're nimble, we've been able to make new products during this time. Um, yeah, it's a you know, I personally focused on a lot of this downtime to really put out this brand on all these platforms, you know, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, LinkedIn, WeChat, you name it. Um, I've been really pushing hard on the social media platforms. Um, and at the same time, internationally speaking, it's probably been the first time ever where countries have been locked down. And usually the hardest thing about an international distributor is to get them on the phone. They're so busy. And because of lockdown, it forced them to go home. I was able to get them on the phone, get them on a WhatsApp call, Zoom call, and present them this Rise brand. So, you know, I really maximized my time and effort during this time to get this brand presented. And hey, we've been fortunate enough to grow this brand in over 30 countries during this pandemic and again we're not talking millions and millions of dollars here but get the product into this country get it on shelf at some retail stores um which is only going to grow hopefully as this stuff passes by us um you know we've been able to really get this brand in some retail stores here in america um we talk about australia and new zealand we're actually relaunching the rise brand in q1 of next year so we're kind of starting over um the brand was somewhat available in australia prior to me coming here, um, but we're kind of relaunching it. I don't think the brand was ever really available in New Zealand, um, but it will be through nutrition systems here soon. 
uh, and oh, with you. So looking forward to that. Um, we're also looking to expand our direct-to-consumer e-commerce play in some of these countries where we'll basically have our own website and we do kind of the same thing we do here in America, um, where we also offer that direct-to-consumer strategy. Countries like Australia, um, India, uh, Chile, and some other markets that we're focused on, the UK as well. Um, you know, another platform for us. So, you know, all things considered, um, you know, being a small company, I and mean, we're talking five employees here, I'm one of them. Um, we're fortunate enough to kind of stay afloat, survive during these times, actually grow. We'll actually grow this yeah, year. Yeah, it sounds like you've, uh, you've pushed it. You've definitely uh, pushed it. But, uh, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. Um, I, you know, I want to build this brand bigger than, than what I've built in the past. I feel like it's the right brand for the right time um, from a packaging, a messaging uh, perspective. Um, I think we can really do some stuff with this brand. Uh, I've got a great partner in Nick who really understands the online e-commerce world. So he can continue to drive that ship while I continue to grow this brand domestically and internationally. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you guys have been doing a tremendous job while everyone has been sort of locked down. And uh, thank you for taking the time and, and, and chatting with me. No, absolutely. Thanks for having us. We definitely uh, got to do this a little bit more often. Um, you know, hopefully next year we'll be a little bit more organized and we can get some, uh, some of the new product stuff out to you a little bit earlier and keep you in the loop on that stuff. Um, and I'll definitely shoot you out some of this new stuff that we're working on too to try. Awesome. Thank you. All right, my brother. Well, stay safe, man. Uh, looking forward to catching up again. Awesome. That was easy. All right, brother. Take care.